0: I don't think anyone's going to beat it into the bunker before that happens. The Lord's going to come suddenly, in a moment. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment. That word moment in the Greek language is the word atom. Now, I know that scientists have gone beyond the atom now, but the atom was known in Greek life as the definite final division, smallest particle of division, the atom of time. And then he said, with the twinkling of an eye, the jerk of an eye, this body that is mortal shall be raised in immortality. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. Today we are returning to the message on the second coming of our Lord Jesus, the rapture of the church. How will it happen? The Bible doesn't actually use the word rapture but it does use the word gathering, and we want to look at this today as we turn to our message from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church on the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For those who are interested, and when I refer to handouts, uh, these are available on our website, and you can go to the website at cloverdealfpc.ca, and look up those Bible studies and you'll have the notes that I'm referring to right here on the program today. It's always a joy to bring the Lord's Word, but this series on the second coming is of special interest, a series that I have covered here in my church and I want to share with all of our radio listeners. If you're blessed through these, you may write to us or email us or phone us for the CDs of these messages and the printed Bible study notes. This is our opportunity to set forth the glorious doctrine of the second coming of our Lord Jesus, when he will put everything right. Praise his name. Join us now as we let the Bible speak. The next point is number five will be, it's a single coming. And for that, I want to turn to this handout sheet that we gave out tonight. And uh, I want you to notice on the side where we have the text from Matthew 24. And uh, I have tried to point out a number of these characteristics uh, as they appear. But I want to turn you to singular. You'll see the word singular on the right-hand margin. And in verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven. Day, hour. Then on down in verse 42, What's therefore, for? For ye know not what hour your Lord hath come. And again in verse 44, in such an hour. And again in verse 50, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. I want you to notice that every time that Matthew, this gospel writer, records the event of the Lord's coming, he puts it in the singular. It's a day or an hour. It's not a long period of time. And I have used in the notes that it is a time that is, it's like a, a dot on the page. It, it's one time. It, it's not a series or a long period of time. But and you'll notice that when he refers to Noah and to Lot, that it's plural. Verse 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. You'll notice that days obviously is plural. That's a period of time. So the writer is recording that whole lengthy time, Noah building the ark, 120 years, and then his period of time in the ark and so on. That was a period of time. The same with Lot, Uh, it was plural, a period of time but not the coming of the Lord Jesus. It is in the singular. That's to be noted. It's not a series of events. It is singular. That's how Matthew records it. Now, over the page, you have a bigger picture. And this is a table that I formulated, though, probably about 12 years ago when I was looking at this subject. In fact, I was going through the book of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and uh, I wanted to get a handle on this big issue because I would say the popular theory about the Lord's return is that it is two-stage coming, a two-stage event. Some might even rank that up to three or four stages of the Lord's coming. But I wanted to look at the various terms that the Bible uses. And you'll notice in the top left corner, one box over, the term used, parousia, or parousia, as we say in the UK. Parousia, rapture or coming. Usually translated coming in the Bible. And uh, here is this word parousia. Now, what does it mean? Does it only mean one thing? And the theory behind this Uh, the reason why I did this with the theory is that each term refers to a different stage of the Lord's return. Now, as I drew out this table, and I wanted to look at all the characteristics of how the terms are used, sudden, day of receiving saints, day of judging sinners, destruction of Antichrist, destruction of the earth, day of judging the living and the dead, and for prophetical knowledge, uh, I wanted to see if there was a pattern, if Each word fell into a certain pattern. It was only a particular characteristic to each word. But as I filled in the boxes, uh, looking at each verse, what did I find? That all these words, parousia, apocalypsis, epiphany, day of Christ, day of the Lord, they're all over the place. There is no specific pattern. There's no unique usage. They are all used interchangeably. And so, as I allowed the Bible to speak to my heart and mind, I had to come to the conviction and the position that instead of a two-stage coming or more, that the coming of the Lord is a singular event, just as we learned in the gospel of Matthew 24. And uh, one verse that really convinced me, I have included it here, 2 Thessalonians 2.8, which is a great verse, then will be revealed the lawless one whom the Lord will come consume with the breath of his mouth and annul or destroy by the appearing of his coming. Here you have three words, three key words in the New Testament, apocalypsis, epiphany, and parousia, or parousia. Three words in the one verse referring to one event. And so I could not come to the position where these are separate events, according to the usage of each word. But rather, I had to come, I was forced to the conclusion that the coming of the Lord is one event. It is a singular return. Or we would have the first coming, which was we came in the manger, the second coming, when he comes for the church secretly, snatches the believers up into the air, and then he comes again at some later date, some say three and a half years, some say seven years, and then he returns, and then there's a fourth one after the millennium, after the thousand-year period. And that's another big subject we're going to be looking at ahead ahead of us. That comes up next week. Where do you fit in the millennium if there's only one single coming, of the Lord Jesus. But I have to look at what the Bible says. I have to look at it in light of the terms, the words, and the context of each verse. Now, obviously, we're not going to do that tonight. If we were to look at the context of all these verses, we'd be here to midnight. We'd have Eutychus falling out the window and uh, falling dead. And I'm not an apostle. I don't know how to raise people from the dead after they've died from long preaching. So I'm not going to risk that at all, but I want you to get the point tonight that there is strong evidence as we scan the Bible for a one coming of the Lord, a single event which will include the glorifying of the saints, the destruction of the wicked. It will be the resurrection day, and it will usher in immediately the judgment day. That's how this approach in Bible study, as I look at the terms used in the Gospels, and I should say what we read in Matthew 24 is repeated in Luke 17, Luke 21, Mark 13, and then we get the same answers as we look at all these texts in Thessalonians, Peter, James, 1 John, uh, Philippians, 1 Corinthians, Timothy, and we get the same picture as we go through all of this. Now, I know that I'm probably not going to be in the majority who hold to a, the coming of the Lord in several stages. I know that I'm holding to a position that in our day is not commonly put forth. But I would say this if you checked with the Puritans and you checked with John Calvin and you checked with what we call the great. Uh, reformers and reform tradition, that this has been the majority view of the church down through the years. Even check your Westminster Confession just to see. And so what we're setting forth here is one great event, as W.J. Greer put it, the momentous event, a single coming of the Lord to fulfill all the aspects of gathering his people, judging the wicked, raising the dead, and ushering in an eternal state. Now, I know you're going to ask me, but what about the millennium? And we will deal with that next week. But I would say this, I will ask you to read through the four gospels and find the word millennium. I'll also ask you to read through the four gospels and find the word 1,000. I'll also ask you to read through the Old Testament and see if you can find 1,000 that has to do with the coming of the Lord. Now, there are thousands in the Old Testament that have to do with numbers of people and numbers of tribes and all kinds of situations. But in context with the return of the Lord, find the word 1,000. And then read the book of Acts and keep going through the New Testament and get into the book of Revelation. Where will you find a reference to 1,000? one chapter, Revelation 20. Now, it's there, we can't ignore it, and we have to have a look at it.
1: My heart can sing When I pause to remember A heartache here Is but a stepping stone Along a trail that's winding
0: Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak as we deal with the second coming of the Lord Jesus. This is such an involved message that we need all the time we can. We're going straight back to the pulpit now of our free Presbyterian church to let the Bible speak on the coming again of our glorious Redeemer. Now that's the five points so far. Number six is it's a final coming of the Lord Jesus. There is no reason that God should not finalize everything in one day the day of the Lord's coming. We know this, that there will be no further gospel preaching when the Lord returns. There'll be no further gospel preaching. The day of grace will be over. I don't think you would agree with me as the pastor of this church, if I was to say to unsaved people coming in, don't worry about getting ready now, you'll get a second chance. I don't think anybody would be happy with that. We all know from years of Bible reading and Bible study and Bible preaching, that the day of a man's death is the day when he meets God. Or when the Lord returns, we give account immediately. There's no second chance. As Hebrews 9 tells us, it is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. Now, if at the last trump the Lord comes and he gathers his saints and he destroys the wicked, is there any place where a man will have another opportunity, where a Gentile will have a second opportunity, where a Jew will have a second opportunity. Now, I know that's a loaded question, and we'll have to deal with that one, perhaps. Is there going to be a gathering in of the Jews? My short answer to that would be, there will be a gathering in of the Jews, but on gospel terms, on the same terms that you and I are saved by looking to Christ as the true Messiah. And for any Jew, no matter whether he's living in the land of Israel, in Russia, New York, Toronto, or Vancouver, for a Jew to be saved, he needs faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he dies without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this Bible says there is no hope beyond a man's death. The Bible tells me That as a tree falls, so shall it lie. It's final. And when the Lord comes in glory, he comes in power and glory to gather his elect and destroy the wicked. That's the final, final gathering, the final destruction. There will be no more day of grace and opportunity. I don't know how much you've studied about the millennium or heard others talk about the millennium, what will happen during that time. All I would say is there's an awful lot of unanswered questions about what people are going to do for a thousand years, what they're going to do when there's going to be conversions during that time. Who's getting converted? Unsafe people? They also, some, and radicals like John Hagee down in Texas who talk about the rebuilding of the temple and the reinstitution of sacrifices during this millennium, Now, not everybody says that. Not every millennialist believe that. There are a lot of people who hold to a millennial view who do not believe in a rebuilding of the temple and a reinstitution of the sacrifices. But it begs a whole list of questions. What's the purpose of this millennium? How can people be converted during it? And as John Calvin put it, surely this is an expectation of things on earth that we should be looking for in heaven. And so we'll look at that next week. But it's a final coming. The last point: it's a sudden coming, in the sense that it is unannounced and unexpected, certainly by the ungodly. We are told to be watching and waiting. We're told to be hastening the day of the Lord that we're not caught off guard. But as we're told in verse 27, "As the lightning cometh." Now, let me tell you, that's fast. That's fast. Speed of light: 100 and oh well, I'm. I'm 184,000 uh, feet a second. Is that right? No way. Well, look at Calvin. Who is an expert on that? What's the speed of light? 186,000 miles. miles a second. That's where, that's where I went wrong. 186,000 miles a second. So right around the world, uh, four, five, six, seven times in one second, is the speed of light. I don't think anyone's going to beat it into the bunker before that happens. The Lord's going to come suddenly. In a moment. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment. That word moment in the Greek language is the word atom. Now, I know that scientists have gone beyond the atom now, but the atom was known in Greek life as the definite final division, smallest particle of division, the atom of time. And then he said, with the twinkling of an eye, the jerk of an eye, this body that is mortal shall be raised in time immortality. Such is the power and the speed of the Lord's coming. And so the great question is, are you ready? If you're not ready when the Lord returns, you cannot escape. We dare not, even as Christians, be found slack and lazy. The Lord is coming that he might find his church at work. And to the end of the world, this gospel shall be preached. He will find faith in the earth. Will it be your faith at work? Will it be you busy in the kingdom, serving, laboring, declaring the gospel of Christ? This is not building a bunker mentality. Some people think if you really believe this, you'd go and hide under a bed or get a bunker made of concrete and get away somewhere. It's the opposite. The person who believes in this glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus will be busy. Busy worshiping. Busy serving. Busy to be ready. Building the kingdom of God. And that will be a wonderful day to be a Christian. Be a wonderful day to be a Christian. Wonderful day to be doing what we ought to be doing. Be a terrible day to be a backslider, down feeding the pigs of the world, like the prodigal feeding the swine. What are you doing with your life tonight, Christian? The Lord's coming, and he's coming Suddenly, and he calls you to be watching and waiting as a faithful steward. If you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, you need to be saved tonight. Do not think that you can put off the day of your salvation and escape. If the Lord should come, as he will, if he should come in your lifetime and you're not saved, you're lost. We've learned that tonight. There's not a chance, there's not a hope of turning in the final atom of time can't be done. And do not think that death is the end of souls. We've learned tonight that the Lord is coming to raise his people. The dead in Christ will hear his voice, and the wicked will be destroyed. There will be a judgment day, the great white beam of throne. There will be the separating of the sheep from the goats, from the right hand to the left. On which side will you be And to whom will the Lord say, depart from me, ye cursed? I never knew you. I don't want to be on that side. The first requirement of being a member of the Lord's flock is to be a real sheep. Are you a real Christian tonight? Saved, washed in the blood, your name written in the Lamb's book of life, and the Lord is coming again for you. Even as if you were the only one on the earth, he will come for you. So we've learned these seven characteristics of the Lord's return and the gathering, the rapture of the church. I'm glad tonight to be a Christian. I wouldn't like to be a Muslim or a Hindu. I really don't like the idea of reincarnation. I just don't like it. I'd rather be a Christian any day than to follow the vain hopes of the world. And then there's the agnostic and they say, well, we just don't know. What do they say about the Lord Jesus? Well, they say he's a good man. He's a great teacher. Well, in Matthew 24, this is his teaching. This is his teaching. These are the things our Lord Jesus himself said. In fact, I was just reading in a theological discussion about the whole other thing about the Son of Man, that it's only the Lord Jesus that used that term, some say. I'd have to check that out. But certainly in the majority of cases, it's the Lord Jesus using that term of himself. And then they say, well, the Lord may not have been aware of what he was saying. He's the Son of God. He's the the truth incarnate. He's the one of whom the Father said, this is my beloved Son, hear ye him. This doctrine of the second coming is Christ-centered, Christ-authored, and it will be realized on that glorious day. Are you ready? I trust you will seek the Lord and know the grace of the Lord. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. We thank you for joining in, taking the time to join with us here. In a few moments, we're going to have the announcements of how you can be in touch, order CDs, and to go to our website for those notes that I've just referred to. So stay tuned with us as we now have our final closing song, Mae McClellan singing for us, When We All Get to Heaven.